Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request and I am your host, Justin Lamb. This is episode 11 with my friend Rob. Uh, This is a great episode. I've known Rob since my freshman year of high school. We were in a band together. Uh, Rob's got some great stories. He's uh, he's a GM employee, which is funny because we did this recording during the strike. And I think after like three weeks of the strike, we talk about it a little bit. You'll hear that. But uh, he also runs kind of a self-sustaining single family farm or it's getting there uh we talk about that some too and then um a lot of the drug use that has come in and out of his life which is uh tragic to say the least so listen up and enjoy this episode uh before i continue i want to say thank you so much so many people have reached out recently i I really appreciate it you guys everything you're doing uh and listening obviously thank you for listening uh, the reviews and just the individual messages. I'm glad that these stories are getting through to people and they're relating to them. It means so much to me that that's happening. That's literally the reason <laughs> this is happening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll talk to you more after the episode. Don't want to hold you back too much because it's a fun little conversation with my friend, Rob. So people talk about whatever they want to talk about don't what they're don't so right uh i start ever every episode off by kind of recapping how i know you yeah uh, so i know you since high school freshman year high freshman school. year 1997 uh the good old days yes that's right when the misfits were having 20 years of terror and getting back together with michael graves not important <laughs> but then the summer after that we are you guys you guys let me in your band done mama proud well, we, well what, it, what was it called it was bitter that? youth before bitter that. Youth. So, yeah the, i forgot was, the name of that i was yeah, trying was to bitter figure youth it out. before that and yeah jesse just wasn't working out as a lead, as a lead singer yeah. yeah so and i came in and i brought my my ego and my narcissistic ways yeah but you know it was good for us at the time it was so. a lot of fun oh yeah for sure and i think we both just re-listened to the last album we made i i did yeah yeah i uh i still yeah, like it I, I don't i i like it a lot <laughs> i don't know exactly what made me think of it oh it was you sent me a uh and and ian yeah a uh a snapshot plate. of a license plate that said dmp so i'm like yeah i haven't listened to that album yeah, and people are bringing it back you don't know <laughs> it's <laughs> right. super popular uh and then we've remained friends throughout uh don't always like hang out that often but we you know i was i was at your wedding and i know uh i haven't been to your new house but no uh, no i haven't been to my new house i yeah. think i've extended an offer a couple times yeah. during the summer but yeah, you know uh, there always might be something going on so i don't go out that often it's all right i'm um, kind of a homebody myself <laughs> at this point and you've done all sorts of stuff that i know about and want to know more about like uh kind of the the farm life that you're living now and what that looks like but we'll get there <laughs> right oh i'm sure we will it's it's definitely going to be a part of the interview and can't deny that because that's part of my life now at this point so nothing wrong with that right um so let's jump back though you were born <laughs> I, I was born yes I was, have you lived in michigan your whole life i have i've lived never. in michigan my whole life i've never moved outside of michigan ever did you live in clarkson your whole life while no. growing up uh, so I was born uh, prematurely, actually, like oh. three pounds four ounces wow. when I was born. Yeah, that's super couple... small, right? Yeah, it's pretty small. Um, yeah, so like I don't remember the exact set of circumstances, but my mom had some complications, and 
You know, I was like six or seven weeks early, I think Jeez. six weeks, six weeks early at three pounds, four ounces and spent the first month of my life in a, you know, incubator, uh, you know, in the, the NICU. But yeah, so that's how my life started. Uh, and that was, you know, I lived south of Detroit, actually. I lived downriver. Oh, okay. Um, for quite a while, for most of my youth, uh, all of elementary school and then into middle school. Okay. When did you move up to Clarkston? Uh, well, into sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. So nice. And you have one brother. I do. No other siblings. Mysterious no. siblings. I don't know about. <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> other siblings. I just have one. Uh, Kenny, how how younger? How how much younger is he? Two years? Three? Years? Uh, almost two. Well, it's one and a half. So oh, he's okay. eighteen months younger than. Oh, me. okay. Yeah. Closer than I thought. Who knew? Yeah, we were we were pretty close when we were growing up. So yeah. I mean, it's you know when you got a brother that's you know only eighteen months apart. I mean, yeah. what you did, guys uh, are like best friends? You know, all what through did, childhood. What did your mom and dad do when you were? Well, my younger? mom, um, she's always been, you know, kind of a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Um, you know, she made sure that dinner was on the table when my dad got home from work. My dad was a, uh, um, he did body and white at uh, Chrysler for a long time, which is like a, a mechanical trade. Okay. Uh, he's a metal model maker, technically. A metal model maker. A Say metal that three model, times fast. Uh, I know, a metal <laughs> model maker. So uh, he did uh, like pre-production stuff. He worked about okay. like three years in advance. On uh, a lot of the uh, brackets, frames, uh, you know, how all this stuff is going to, like, tie in. Uh, You know, he did. He had a couple larger, like, concept projects that he did, like the Prowler and stuff that he got some recognition for. Oh, nice. That's cool. I remember the Prowler. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, When did his job bring you guys up north? That was exactly it. So, like, he worked in Highland Park in the old Chrysler shop there. Yeah. And then when they built the headquarters, uh, he, he made a commute back to like we were in the um it was the north allen park melvindale school district and he commuted for a couple years and he was like that's it i'm done we're moving let's go so we spent that summer looking for houses and we wound up in clarkston so vinewood yes did i yeah yeah my parents are still there oh are they nice they are still there that's a i cut through that area sometimes getting over to indianwood yeah (laughs) um so childhood with your brother, you guys were close. Yeah, we were. Were you close? Like all, because I'm trying to remember, he was hanging around a lot when we were doing the band stuff. And yeah, well, I mean, so we were close up until you know about like you know maybe like 18 years old. Uh, up until he started uh, to get into some really bad habits and some nasty stuff. So I mean, and he still battles it today. So yeah. I mean, he's a he's a heroin addict and opiate addict and. He's been incarcerated off and on, and I mean, it's. I guess you know we're closer now than we have been in probably like 15 years. I think at this point, Um, mainly because he's been like kind of trying to work a program. He's still been slipping up a little bit, but I mean, it's a you know whole lifestyle change for him. So I want to circle back around to that for sure. Uh, But you guys, I mean, from my observations, just because you know I don't get along with my brother, (laughs) Didn't, didn't at all early on, and don't now. But um, Kenny was always around and like kind of doing the stuff that you were like the older brother. And he was like, I want to do the stuff my older brother's doing. Right. Like when you were getting into like Led Zeppelin and stuff, he was like, I'm going to get into Led Zeppelin and stuff. Too. Right. Exactly. Um, was that all through childhood too? Like whatever you liked, he liked. And did you, did you feel like you were like the big brother? You, you were looking out for him and well, starting trends <laughs> yeah well yeah i guess in a sense i mean he he kind of had his own like flair and kick to it i mean we obviously like grew up liking the same things yeah same you know 
same music and stuff. I was actually, I was really jealous one year for, um, for Christmas. He got, or actually it was his birthday. I think it was his birthday. He got Offspring Smash and he got Green Day Dookie like as like presents. And I'm like, what the heck? Like these are, that's, that's my, that's my shit. And yeah, he was all over it. So. Nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, he went his own way. He started, you know, branching off at a certain point. So. Yeah. Um, parents good the whole time your parents are still together my parents right. are still together yes i mean we've you know they have their complications yeah and they have they have their own separate issues but yeah no they're still together they're good everything they, good with that growing up and normal normal childhood essentially you feel like you had i i feel essentially like i had a normal childhood but what is normal exactly yeah. i mean it's a word we like to play with on this podcast <laughs> I, I i you know what i did catch that on that last interview with Tim. so what is normal but um so, yeah, I don't know. It was probably good timing when we moved from um, Melvindale to Clarkston because there was some kind of uh, shady stuff going on with, uh, you know, gangs and kids fighting in the parks. And there was actually – so remember those D.A.R.E. videos that you used yeah. to uh, watch in, like, third D.A.R.E. Grade? to keep kids off drugs. Exactly. So it was, like, the stereotypical, like, there's a guy with a 40 in the park with a paper bag, and he's like, hey, man, you want some beer? So, you know, there was always – it's so, yeah, so uh, there was a lot of that going on. Um, it was a good time to get out. It was a good time to get out, yeah, because like the even like when I was in like fifth and sixth grade, like the people that I was starting to hang out with were like we were smoking by the creek, you know. Okay. I, mean, um, I didn't actively smoke at that point. I am a smoker now, um, but Ooh, when did you f- smoke your first cigarette? Uh, God, I think I was probably about fourteen or fifteen, and okay. it definitely came from my parents. Your parents both smokers. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty much inevitable at that point that I yeah. was going to be. And so my mom went through this, like, horrific, uh, like, back set of back surgeries. And, like, she was basically, she had a couple discs fused together and she couldn't really move very Ouch. well yeah. for quite a while. Uh, I think I was, I had just turned 16, but she had an agreement with the uh, the party store down at the end of the road, who I'm sure will it'll, we'll just leave it nameless, you know, just for <laughs> yeah. uh, liability purposes. But, um, uh, yeah, so she had an agreement worked out with them. Like, she would call in an order for, for, like, you know, she needs two packs of, like, Cools, I think she smoked at the time. Ah, Cools. And so, like, you know, me being 16, I would, ju- I would just go up to the store and I'd be like, you know, hey, what's up? Uh, you know, my mom called for, uh, you know, my Picking mom called my in mom a package. Six, right, yeah. exactly. So... <laughs> Uh, so when I was 16, I was uh, going to the store and actively, like, that's how it started. So I could go to that store, which was the closest store to my house, um, yeah. and I could pick up whatever I need, you know, for her. And then it it got so commonplace, you know, because it, it was going on for like three months, you know, to where she, she wasn't really mobile, um, to where I could just go in and get whatever I wanted. So it's for my mom. Right. Promise. Exactly. That's so, funny. That's when yeah. I actually started smoking was when I was 16, and uh, I've I've... What were a, you, what was your brand preference? Uh, when I first started, yeah, um, I think Parliament. Okay, Parliament Light. Yeah, good old Parliaments. Right, and then I I switched to Camel Lights actually, like after a while. But see, I have been a non-smoker for a number of years now. I can never remember because I quit for like three years, and then I started smoking again for a year, and then I quit again. And I haven't smoked since, but. I fuck, I miss cigarettes every day. Like, I don't give a shit. If they were like, 
oh, cigarettes are healthy now, I would be the first person at the fucking store being like, <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, and it sucks. I can't smoke. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I've been actually thinking about quitting again because I've had a couple stoppages, but not for not for long enough, obviously. you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm happy I quit. I know there's there's too many health risks involved. <laughs> right, right. And uh, my autoimmune disease or disorder or whatever the fuck. Is it disease or disorder? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's uh, primarily affects my lungs, so I really can't smoke. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I like, would, fuck. That's a big red flag. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe every once in them. a while in the golf course, like, you can I smoke a cigar. You know, I, I make know. exceptions for cigars because I don't typically inhale cigars. Right. Exactly. So like, whatever. Uh, but oh yeah, I love cigarettes. Well, the act of the actual <laughs> act of smoking is pretty calming. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of it. I'm branching off on cigarettes for too long, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should uh, probably like just you know put this out. <laughs> oh, so you start. You tried your first cigarette. You're buying cigarettes for your mom. Yeah. Childhood was good. You guys are in Clarkston. You graduate high school. What happens then? You're an adult now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was it. I was really feeling like an adult, like I could, you know, like take on the world. So I moved out pretty quick right after high school. Where'd you go? Uh, actually, I moved in with a buddy, uh, Kirk Morrison. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I, it was, it was a, I want to say I was actually 19. So it wasn't like right after I graduated. Yeah. I gave it a year. I saved up some money. You know, I tried to do it right. You know, I tried to save some cash and everything. And um, I didn't want an apartment, so we ended up uh, renting a house. So okay. we found this. Uh, <clears throat> we found this place just outside of Pontiac. It was right by uh, Hoops, like yeah. right off of yeah. uh, Lapeer Road. It was actually, and it was like the second coming of the bad boys. So like you know, the the Pistons were oh, yeah. just all the rage in like 2003, 2004 yeah. when 2004 we 2004 was championship. Moved. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I was there when they. I was living at that house just. You know, outside the palace, basically, like yeah. right by hoops, uh, right on twenty four Perry, when they won, and it was like uh, it was like mayhem that night. We had we had two kegs. Um, there were people lighting off fireworks in the street. Uh, my neighbor was kind of a crazy old bat. Um, he uh, <laughs> he was a welder, and he was filling up balloons of oxane acetylene and like you know making explosions. I was going to say, and then blowing them up. Yes, yes, exactly. And so, like, the police at a certain point were, like, kind of eyeing what was going on, and uh, they actually just kind of, like, I, 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 could, I could see they wanted to talk, so, like, you know, me being the homeowner, and I was trying to be, like, somewhat responsible at that point, yeah. surprisingly. Um, I ran down there, and she was like, you know, let's just make sure that we contain this inside at this point. It's, like, 2.30 in the morning. Like, all right, done, officer. No problem. We're going to go ahead and we're all going to get inside. So. That's really funny. Yeah. So did you have a, a plan to do anything after high school? Was like, uh, I mean, did you just want to get a job? Did you want to I go to school? I wanted to be a famous did DJ. You... Oh, so Electronic. Yeah, techno. Because you were you were playing <laughs> drums. In the, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned what you did in the band. You were playing drums in the band. Right, yeah. Uh, and then it was, it was about, what? correct me, but. 16 when you got starting into like electronica music and stuff yeah yeah it was about the yeah i mean i've i've been a fan of like all forms of music for yeah. a long time uh but like yeah for whatever reason techno like hit me kind of hard when i was about 16 17 years old okay so. then you just ran with it yeah yeah i was you know so for a while there i was you know getting some gigs and i was you know doing some stuff and uh a buddy of mine 
uh, his name's Seth. Uh, he actually, I don't know, he hit it big. Uh, oh, that's cool. He was like, you know, but we DJed a lot together uh, for for quite a while. I mean, we do like these like all night like tag team sessions because my like parents clubs were, or raves or. Uh, I did a few of those, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I've done my fair share down in Detroit, like, you know, Burt's Warehouse and things like that, you know, after parties for Demp and stuff Yeah, yeah. where I've had a few hundred people like, you know, dancing around. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Um, you know, he kind of took the production aspect of it, um, you know, to the next level where like I, you know, he lived it. I didn't quite live it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but he's, I mean, he's like world famous at this point. He flies around to everywhere. Uh, DJing, you know, I mean, he cool. can, he'd be Miami one weekend and the next weekend, uh, <clears throat> next weekend he's in Ibiza. Actually, I think, uh, I watched some video of him actually just being on a yacht and touring the Mediterranean yeah, for like not? two months. Sure. I mean, it's like, yay, why not? <laughs> you know, if you can do it, do it. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, so you uh, were kind of chasing that right out of high school and yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. I, I really, I honestly was, but the problem was, is like, Maybe I'm not recognizable. I don't know. At a certain point. So we... <laughs> should have put a big fucking mouse head on <laughs> I I should have. Maybe that was it. Oh, like that movie Frank. Did you ever see that movie Frank? Oh, yeah. With the guy... It's like the lead singer, right? And he wears, yeah. a, he wears the big helmet. Or not helmet, but you know what I'm saying. Big oh, yeah. like mascot yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, like that. That might have actually done better for me. Because uh, he was just... Rec- he was recognizable. Um, you know, like he... We tag teamed and we DJed together all the time. And we were like kind of like a... I can't say a couple, but we were hanging yeah. out quite a bit yeah. at a certain point. And like, and, you know, we'd walk into a club and they'd be like, Hey Seth, what's going on? You know, he's good looking six, you know, six, three, like tall dreadlocks, you know, and it's just, Oh yeah. And it's your buddy who's with you. Like again, you know, I, Oh yeah. What's your name again? Oh, it's, it's Rob. Oh, Hey, nice to meet you. You know, no, nobody could ever remember me. So dicks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You um, know, it is what it is. Yeah. Did, was school ever on your radar out of high, out of high school? Yeah, very briefly. Okay. <laughs> so what was that like? Uh, yeah, it was OCC, and it mm-hmm. was uh, you know originally I wanted to do. It's kind of funny because everything comes in full circle at a certain point. So yeah. um, when I was in high school, I took the technical certification program yeah. uh, at OTC, and I was doing horticulture stuff. And you know, I really liked. Uh, you know, liked plants, thought I had a green thumb, started working at this flower shop. Uh, and I did like floral arrangement. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I did floral arrangement for a long time. And, uh, you know, I tended to a lot of the plants in their greenhouse and they had this, uh, like really cool fountain set up with all these exotic plants and things like that. So, um, I took care of that for a while and I started to do, uh, like a horticulture program. And then for whatever reason, I was like, nah, I'm not going to school. <laughs> I'm just, I'm moving out of my parents' house and I'm just going to work and I'm going to focus on, you know, getting something going on with that. So, yeah. uh, which probably was not the good move. <laughs> so I took a couple year hiatus off from school at that point. So, but I didn't, I did end up going back to OCC and finishing, um, just, I have two associates now. I have a, uh, welcome to the club. I, I know exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I have a hundred and some miscellaneous credits, yeah. uh, that I was like, you know what? General studies is good. And Oh yeah, an associate's in business administration. Ah, those let's, are the two I have. Yeah, so let's go ahead and run that. So, yep, I have two of those. I'm actually thinking about uh, going back just for my own uh, personal choices, but yeah. I, I want to learn Spanish and do a couple other. Th- I want to weld too. So, like, I'm, I'm just gonna actually just go take some classes. I think. Yeah. What do the next five years look like? Like, did you have? 
I know you wanted to do the DJ thing, so you were just primary focus on that and working. You know, and okay, so this all happened like around the same time. Like I had a very like chaotic like twenty one to twenty two. Chaotic, huh? Ah, uh, man, it was like everything was good and bad at the same time. It's just it, I, I don't know, kind of weird. Like so. My DJing, um, you know, it kind of, I just came to the, the understanding and conclusion that, like, you know, it probably wasn't going to happen for me because um, I wasn't living it enough. And, yeah. um, like, I had met my wife now, actually. So I met Jennifer, and we started hanging out pretty heavy around that time, and I was wanting to spend more time with her, uh, which was, you know, obviously good. So I kind of stopped hitting the DJ circuit scene, um, like, around that same time. Well, I imagine, um, yeah, having any sort of social life outside of just the people you're like partying with when you're spinning and stuff is very difficult, right? Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, so you're late, and... you're out super late, you're floating around. And I mean, I'm trying to like pay rent and like, yeah. you know, maintain, uh, you know, some of my composure. <laughs> um, I mean, that is, that scene too is uh, really taxing on your body. So like, I mean, there's a lot of cocaine going on. Uh, you know, there's some other stuff that's happened. Like, I kind of shied away from it because I'm very sensitive to uppers. I did that a couple times, and I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not for me. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of things, it, it was really chaotic. So, um, you know, I was trying to DJ, and then, I, you know, I met Jennifer. Uh, I had a falling out with my roommate. Uh, he actually started using... Uh, some pretty heavy drugs. Uh, Kirk you know, was older than you. Yeah, he was older than me he by was, uh, four years. Yeah, so. he killed himself, didn't he? No, he did oh. not. He died of a heroin overdose, though. Oh. He was twenty-six years old. He was, he was uh, my neighbor in... when I grew up. Yeah, <laughs> in Chestnut Hill. Right, I got you. <laughs> That's yeah, he... crazy. I remember hearing about that. I was like, what? Yeah. So yeah, we we had a falling out though at a certain point, and then you know you want to throw like you know some trouble with the law and for me like yeah. you know i had a, a drinking and driving that you know wasn't very responsible of me to do um so i was kind of battling all, all like all of this at the same time you know and then my i don't know so how old were you when kirk died um geez was that about the same time too it was pretty shortly after that so like i i was 22 okay and I was, so he passed away and I was going through all of my like court woes, yeah. um, you know, from my, you know, horrible decision making from when I was like 21 to 22, yeah. uh, you know, trying to live the party life or whatever, I didn't, um, <laughs> make some solid decisions at that point. So, um, I was actually, he died and I was going through court proceedings and, um, I was about ready to be sentenced for my, you know, drinking and drivings and, um, I, there wasn't anything I could do to like make it to his funeral, even though we were really good friends. We lived with each other and, um, we did have a falling out, but like we had kind of mended it like, um, you know, through the phone, um, like over the past year after he moved to Rhode Island. Um, and yeah, he just, you know, I got a phone call from his mom one day, you know, and yeah, it was, I I don't know. It was just, it was kind of hard to stomach. Uh, I was 22, he was 26. Uh, and there was no way that I could make it out to, you know, the funeral. Yeah. So I, I bought a Detroit hat and I, you know, signed it and I had Jennifer actually like put it in with him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I did actually make it out to, uh, he was buried in Maine. So okay. I actually, I did make it out to Maine, like, uh, his five year anniversary of his death. Out to the grave. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I actually I visited a good buddy of ours, uh, a mutual friend. We went out to Boston. I saw Ian actually in Boston when I was there. Um, and then uh, we stayed with, um, well, I saw uh, Brad Petrenic. Because uh, he was living in Wista, Massachusetts. He's going to be in your chair on Tuesday. Oh, is he? Okay. All right. Yeah, he's got an interesting he's story. He's got a crazy story. Right, for sure. You know what? He's probably going to mention my basement because uh, <laughs> when he was all strung out on heroin, when he was trying to get sober, right before he got arrested, um, my parents let him live in my basement for like a week. Okay. So, and he was like fighting off being sick or whatever. And that, that was around the same time my brother started to get into heroin. Yeah. So, and like I said, like I said, that there was a, it's, I don't know, the years uh, for my brother in particular, like from like 18 on was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of difficult as far as drugs go. Like, but um, I don't know, 21 to 22, man, it was yeah. a really rough transition in my life. So that's actually like something I would want to talk to you about too, is uh, I think you got or we're hanging around. I don't know. I don't want to say got into. You weren't like selling crack or anything, but like you, you were you were hanging around like kind of the drug scene before I was, and then I moved to L.A. and I was like, oh, um, and, uh, <laughs> oh, these are what drugs are. Okay, and like Kirk, uh, and I didn't know you guys lived together, and that you were like I knew that he died. I didn't know you guys had such a relationship. That's crazy to me. Um, yeah, and then. Uh, Justin, who we mentioned, who played bass in the band, um, he died. Was and he had he struggles with drugs for. Yeah, ultimately that's how he ended up dying. I believe. Yeah. Um, I talked to his dad. So this happened about what three years ago now. Yeah. Um, so I talked to his dad, and it sounded like he had a really like rough, rough end. So and I had been communicating with Justin off and on, like via like a Skype phone or yeah, yeah. Uh, even like Facebook calling. Because um, he cause moved he was in, to what China, Japan. Well, no, he was actually well, he had to go to China frequently for visa runs, but he was in um, he was in Korea at the time okay. or no. Vietnam. No, it wasn't Vietnam. He, okay, so he was he in lived, an Asian country. <laughs> yes, so he lived in about seven different Asian countries. Okay. At the time, like you know, for the couple years that he he was over there, so he originally went to teach English in South Korea, and then from South Korea he went to Taiwan, and then from Taiwan um, he went to back to Korea, then he went to Thailand for a brief second. Uh, he met his wife. Okay, yeah. Uh, who is, she's Thai. Um, and then they ended up going back to, I think they were in Vietnam for like a very short period of time. And then they ended up going back to Korea. So uh, he all was like, the... all, and then uh, like in every like three months, he had to go to China for like a visa run. Cause he was like, a, like on a working visa. Huh. Um, and I guess like, I mean, I guess maybe China took care of it. Like from yeah. that region, you know. So, and I know he was definitely doing it when he was in Taiwan, like he had to go to China all the time, but, um, but yeah, he was, dr <laughs> this sounds kind of weird and I, I really didn't mean to laugh and I don't know why, but, um, so when I talked to his dad and he said that he had like a really rough end, like when he first got to Taiwan, he had, um, a pancreatitis and it was oh. due to an excessive amount of drinking. And I don't know if you've ever had any of the, like, rice wine or anything that they, like, drink over in Asia. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, I, I heard a study a few years back. It's, like, riddled with arsenic and, like, oh, just good. all sorts of poison. So, you know, and he'd been drinking that 
pretty heavily. Like when I would see him, when he would come back for like a couple weeks yeah. just to maintain his citizenship, because you know, he well, was that's the last time I saw him was at your house. Right, right. So he would wake up and he would open up a bottle of wine. Jeez. So and it was like pretty rough. He was looking really pale and everything. And, yeah. Um. So. And um, not to mention, like, you know, other various drugs and stuff that he probably did, like, mixed in. So and I don't know the exact extent. I could just, like, see the drinking and, you know, kind of. And he was a heroin addict at a certain point, too. Uh, he kicked that for pills, and then he, I think, maintained it all with, with a drink. But Gosh. Yeah, so. But he ended up dying of an acute pancreatitis as a real, result of his first pancreatitis. But he... Like, never stop drinking after the pancreatitis, which yeah. is, like, one of the things that you probably should do. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I guess it was, like, 10 days of agony in, like, a hospital bed with a breathing tube and, like, his organs just shutting down one by one. That sucks. Um, yeah. And, you know, I asked <laughs> I, that was the, when I talked to Paul, his dad. I'm like, well, was it, like, you know, was it at least peaceful? I mean, in he said, hell no. Like, it, he was fighting it the whole way. I mean, he was even trying to rip his breathing tubes out. And, um, you know, he's not comfortable. Um, and he was not at peace, like, at all. Like, he's just. So. So he was 32. Going back. Um, and, I mean, it's funny now because, like, marijuana's legal. And I remember you and Justin would smoke when we were, like, doing band practice. I'd be like, oh, my God, marijuana. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, times are weird. Uh, but, I mean, losing Kirk to heroin, uh, Justin's involvement with, with a bunch of hard drugs, uh, your brother's battle with heroin, I, and I don't know if there's even more people that you've had in your life that you've either lost or... <laughs> like, you. it seems like you have been surrounded by these these people that are struggling with some pretty big drugs like oh yeah yeah for sure not to mention and, i'm sure like everybody else like myself and everyone else has people like the struggle with alcohol and everything in their life on top of all the illicit and the legal stuff you know yeah i would, I would it's like it, how, how do you it's so weird to me you know we hear our parents talk about growing up they're like oh yeah i lost this friend from high school I lost this friend from high school and i mean at least for me there was a level of naive where like that's not going to happen to like my friends. Right. Uh, and then every year it seems like you hear about yeah. someone. Right. Oh yeah. Tiffany Edwards. Sure. Um, yeah. Just, that was, that was pretty tragic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was crazy. Um, yeah. But so, I mean, where, where do you find yourself mentally being surrounded by this? Uh, these people that are battling this and some of them that lose that battle. You know what? I feel actually like pretty strong. Um, in like the fight against like I guess heavy drugs at this point, um, I that was one thing that I never did. Like I never did anything yeah. like super heavy like that. Yeah. Um, so I was always kind of I, I was pretty much good with like booze and pot I guess <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and even uh, the even American that, like way. I, yeah even that I like I, I really don't do as. I, I definitely don't drink and don't smoke like I used to. Yeah. So, you know, I had we're not in kid, our twenties anymore. I know exactly. Well, and kid, kids will do that, and I'm I always busy uh, doing farm stuff. So. Yeah. Um, and working six days a week. So, um, I, I feel, I feel good though. Like, so it's a constant battle, especially with my brother, um, you know, who still has his struggles. I mean, you know, you think he's good for six months and then next thing you know, you know, you haven't heard anything from him. You know, he's disappeared on the streets for a week and, you know, he shows up at your door, like, you know, 
he what he's six two six three. I mean, yeah. you know he you know could be weighing 150 pounds and nothing but skin and bones at a certain point which is like i'm six three and i weigh 250 right exactly (laughs) so i mean and it's it's like he looks like walking death yeah and um i try my best to walk a line of like you know uh comfort and you know make sure he has what he need but also like be stern like you know you're making this choice like this is this is you you know dictating the next step of your life i mean and i i always tell him and i mean you know maybe i'm beating this up at this point but uh you know do the next right thing for yourself yeah you know sometimes he does it sometimes he doesn't he recently uh had a little bit of a relapse and in he's been struggling because this is a lifestyle change for him he was just uh, he was incarcerated. He actually overdosed again. Um, he's been brought back to life several times by Narcan. So he was found in a car at a flop house that he was staying at. Um, and the police were looking for his vehicle because they had a phone call that there was an erratic driver that was possibly intoxicated. Um, and they were already keeping an eye on him because he was like just staying on the, uh, I think it was in Troy. So it was like in a pretty like yeah. high profile area where they would be yeah. looking for stuff like that. So, um, yeah, when they, uh, saw his car, they pulled up in the driveway and, you know, he was basically out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, in the process of overdosing, like in the car, in the vehicle, um, you know, so, but he ended up, they brought him back to life, but he ended up catching uh, possession charges because, uh, he still had stuff in the vehicle. So, uh, which was probably the best thing to ever happen for yeah. him. I mean, he's been charged before with other stuff, but uh, this time around, it was, like, getting pretty bad. Uh, he, you know, wound up in the hospital for a little bit. And then, you know, obviously, he was incarcerated. They didn't give him bond. You know, they moved him to, a uh, like, a rehab facility for detox. And uh, he spent close to a year in county. Jeez. And, um, you know, because this was his, like, second set of offenses that yeah. he's had like that. And um, then he was released to an intensive inpatient uh rehab facility um which has actually probably been the best thing this time around for him because he didn't get that specific treatment the last few times like they just basically put him in the court system and yeah you know yeah you're in sobriety court but you know i mean how far is it going to take you i mean he's been in rehab too but it's always been you know for a week here a week there just to detox and then he's just back out on the street so this was like six months of you're living in the facility. It's a, you know, a half, it's even more than a halfway house. It turns into a, a half three quarter way. House. <laughs> right. It's right. A full way house. Right. Exactly. So, um, uh, it was, you know, an, an intensive inpatient for a while. And then he was able to like get out to do, you know, specific errands, but he had to, you know, clock out at certain times and yeah. he did intensive counseling and everything. And, um, so that's, that's been good for him. Um, recently he moved out and he's been trying to make it on his own and he's a you know he's a certified welder um at this point and he's working in a welding shop and i don't think that that's like probably the um the soberest industry yeah. to be honest with you yeah so he's been having his own struggles even even as of recent because he's got um nobody policing him at this point you know he's yeah. living on his own um you know he stays in a little um studio apartment and you know just outside of downtown flint and rides his bike to work because he doesn't have a license yeah. and, and sometimes that time alone at home is the hardest time to yeah yeah, yeah for sure so i mean i still sometimes you know like i haven't heard from him in a few days and sometimes my mom will give me a call and i'll be like you know is this 
is this the time that I actually like get the call that he's you know dead? Yeah. You know, but um. So a, a question that's come up on here a couple times, and everybody's got their own methods. So if you are willing to share yours, I'd be thankful for that. But um, so you know, my father was an alcoholic right up until the day he died. That's what killed him. Um, and some other people we've talked to on here, their parents, uh, like I was saying before, like parents are both drug addicts and, and stuff. Yeah. And the, the thing we talk about is how do you, how do you love and support an addict without, you know, being an enabler or like, how do you set those boundaries? Right. That's, that's a really good question. I mean, cause my, <laughs> my parents enable my brother. Yeah. So, and that is one of the hardest things that I have. I have a hard time with that. Um, I don't know. He's, I, I feel like at a certain point, you know, he's going to have to fly out of the nest on his own. And it's a yeah. great step in the right direction that he's, you know, finally out, you know, supporting himself with a job. Uh, and that's probably one of the best tests that, you know, he's going to be, you know, able to give himself at this point. But I mean, still at the same time, they're like, you know, um, they pick him up, you know, every other weekend and take him grocery shopping. And, um, you know, I, I understand it to a degree because it's hard for him to get, you know, back and forth with groceries with just nothing but a bike. But, um, you know, it, it still seems like there's a, like a little bit of enabling involved. You yeah. know, when he was uh, messing up a few weeks ago, he ended up, you know, staying on their couch and sleeping for, you know, three or four days while he was kind of like recovering and not, you know, getting over a sickness. Um, and you know, they were all right with it. And like, you know, I've had run-ins with him before to where I've been like, you know, I, I just can't see you right now. You just have to leave. Like, yeah. you know, um, he showed up at my daughter's first birthday party, just, you know, high as a kite. I mean, we literally within two minutes of him being there, like, you know, I had my mom in tears and, you know, they were taking my brother home. So that was actually, that was like four days before he got arrested the first time he got caught with like a backpack full of drugs. Uh, so have you like, just to keep your guys relationship as healthy as possible, have you set like clear boundaries with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's welcome at my house at any point, but if he's messed up, you're, yeah. you might as well just like not talk to me or stay home. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I mean, sometimes let's face it. Like, I mean, he lives in a little studio apartment in Flint. Like, yeah. You know, uh, he wants to get out sometimes or, you know, he wants to see, you know, his uh, niece and nephew or whatever. So, like, I'll go pick him up and we'll hang out for the yeah. weekend, but I'm not going to so pick him up. As long as he's sober. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he's not sober, I'm not picking him up. For sure. Um, and, I, and he knows that, too. So, there was a – when he was most recently going through this uh, small – uh, relapse. He sounds, he sounds great on the phone though this week. Um, and he started a, a counseling program again on his own. And relapse is part of recovery. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, right, right. So, um, but like, yeah, a few weeks ago we had plans. He was going to actually, uh, help me. Uh, I've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of work to do, uh, around the house, uh, or around the homestead or whatever. And I was turning a, um, an old potting shed into a greenhouse. I was, uh, like I had the whole roof ripped off and I was, uh, doing the corrugated, like clear greenhouse paneling and stuff on the one side. He was supposed to come over and help me out. And he was like, you know, I, I kind of talked to him and I kind of caught when there was something funny going on. Yeah. And it was like a, uh, you know, um, I think I might set this one out. You know, he ended up deciding that he didn't feel good. So, yeah. and you know what, maybe that was the week or two prior to the, I, I don't know. There was a couple weekends where I was like doing this large project. So yeah. he ended up, 
helping one weekend because he was feeling better, but then like the other like weekend or something like that, he ended up missing. So um, I'm trying not to enable. Yeah, um, it, and it's a it's a hard line though. I mean, well, yeah, when you care about someone, you want to help them out, but helping them out can sometimes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you know, what I want to make sure that he's fed at a certain point, but I also like want to make sure that he's like earning the right to be hungry. You yeah. Know? I mean, he's like, you know, exerting energy, like going to work or riding his bike or, you know, riding his bike to work, um, that he's making the next right choice, you know? And I mean, you know, when you use a lot, like you don't really want to eat. So, you know, he's, so, I mean, I'd help him, you know, get food every once in a while. If I know he's like really trying, you know, yeah. um, I, uh, you know, and most recently, like mainly I'll like go hang out with him during the day before work. Uh, cause we have a kind of similar work schedule where, uh, you know, we both work afternoons. I actually, I just switched to the third shift. Um, hopefully you'll be starting back at. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I normally just like, we'll pick them up or I'll, I'll pick them up and we'll go out to lunch, like, you know, and hang out for a little bit, you know, we'll go grab, uh, food from the Flint farmer's market, which is, can be absolutely fantastic. If you've never been there, like I highly suggest I going if you're in the flint area for something okay it's really I'm, good typically i'm not but i will, <laughs> I will try it's to really good it up there. yep uh but we'll typically go there we'll go to like a like a deli downtown or something like that but That's fine. It's, it's good to transition shift gears here um so you got you had a house in clarkston i did and yeah. Uh, one day I was over there and you had some fucking chickens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For so, sure. and now you are like doing uh, straight up farm work at this new place. Yeah. It's, and it's a degree. long transition. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could dive into it like, you know, head first a hundred percent, but it's, it's been a, it's well, been a it, transition. Yeah. It seems like it's been pretty gradual, but how, yeah. Oh yeah. How did, how did all of this happen and what, what kind of like self-sustaining stuff are you guys doing now? Cause I think it's also like super valuable and some stuff in a smaller scale. I think a lot of people probably do yeah. at home. So, Oh, look, for sure. How did, how did all this happen? Did it start with the chickens? Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of did, it kind of did start with the chickens. So, um, we did have a garden. Um, and like I had said, you know, I had interest in horticulture anyways, yeah. like a long time ago. So it came back full circle. Um, and I never really is something let your wife go. is inter interested in too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So this is like totally mutual. Okay. Um, and at a certain point now, more so her than me. Um, cause I'm so busy at work sometimes, yeah. you know, with general motors. Six well, yeah. Days how you do all this stuff while you're working is beyond uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I know it's uh, it's, it's constant go, go, go. Uh, actually I had to, uh, I looked like a, an absolute pig before I came here cause I was moving uh, firewood for the, the year. Oh, yeah. So I have like, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how many like uh, face cord I have split right now, but I'm like stacking it into, uh, into one of the buildings so it can uh, dry out a little more actually yeah. into the greenhouse. Cause we don't, we're not currently starting any plants in there right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we figured it'd be like a perfect little solar kiln to uh, hold on to uh, the wood for the next like few months. Nice. So, but, um, yeah, so it started out with, uh, you know, getting a garden going and then it was like, you know, I kind of feel like we had maybe like a little bit of that push the movement to be like a little bit more like self-sustainable. Uh, my old boss too, from the, uh, the flower shop was also, uh, he is probably the most self-sustaining, um, sustaining like member of society. Like I've ever met, like he kind of operated, 
to his own drumbeat. Um, you know, he owned his own business, which allowed him to make his own schedule, which yeah. allowed him to, to afford all sorts of time and all sorts of weird hobbies. Um, he was uh, an avid forager. So, like, I mean, certain times of year, like, he knew where he could go get, like, 25-gallon buckets full of apples. And, I mean, and he would, like, oh, literally go harvest whenever he could, whatever he could. Um, and, I mean, and you know, he was always making teas and... Um, you know, he Imagine was eating you got a can a lot of that. <laughs> right. Well, and he was eating things just cause he knew they were nutritious, not that they tasted good. Yeah. Like, I mean, he would come in with, I don't even, I don't even remember what it was at a certain point, but I mean, he's just, you know, it's like grass clippings. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, it was, I think it was like yarrow or something like that. Um, to where he was like literally eating like yarrow leaves and I don't remember exactly what it was to be honest with wild lettuces and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so he was kind of a, like a push at that point because I was still kind of working there a little bit off and on. I, I, I worked there off and on for like a decade. I could never really shake that place because I liked it so much. It was kind of loose. And I, I really liked him. So like, he Well, it helped you keep that hobby that, that obviously pays off now. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd, we'd started the garden. We were living in Clarkston. Um, and it was like I had to put a privacy fence up because we had a couple dogs at a certain point, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we had, you know, half acre and, you know, a six foot privacy fence. And, you know, I kind of was thinking about it. There was a garden back there and had plenty of room. I'm like, you know what? What do you, let's get a a few chickens. What do you think? You know, I looked up the ordinances in uh, Springfield Township was actually like technically the township that we lived in. And uh, it turns out we couldn't have them, so but we decided to be uh, rebels anyways. And, Bring uh, that punk rock out. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we ended up with um, like five or six chickens, um, which is actually like perfect for like a half-acre fenced-in backyard. Like I never really, uh, you know, it wasn't overcrowded. They always foraged for plenty of food. There was plenty of bugs to eat, you know. Um, like I had a wood line like all across the uh the, the outskirts of my um, my backyard anyways. And was this were, just to get eggs at that point? Yeah, this was okay. just to get eggs. Um, you know, we were just kind of like looking at our situation, like, and I was looking at the situation from the outside looking in. And, um, you know, we were actually, I remember the, the day specifically, Jennifer and I were going out on a lunch date and we, I don't, I don't know exactly. We, I don't think we were necessarily celebrating any, anything special. Just the fact that we could get out and like get lunch, yeah. just us two. <laughs> With a and kid, we I were, imagine that was <laughs> right. And we were driving <laughs> through uh, White Lake, and there was this beautiful old farmhouse that was for sale, like overlooking like White Lake. I forget ro- what road it was off of, but it was on like four or five acres. You could kind of, hmm. you know, it was like you know probably like you know turn of the you know late nineteenth, early you know twentieth yeah, century. Yeah kind of a you know farmhouse uh beautiful yellow and it was for sale and you know while we were out on our lunch date it was like kind of like hey you know she had she had specifically mentioned the house and i I was like well what do you think we just move i mean you did it a whole bunch during your childhood like it's probably pretty easy just pack everything up and go right so yeah we at that point in in time we had decided that we wanted a bigger garden more chickens um you know, just kind of get out of the neighborhood because we were in a subdivision and um, it wasn't going to be conducive to growing uh, our little farm, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, at that mo- moment in time, it was literally like within three weeks we had went home um, and I had always and I had already been fixing up the house like slowly through the years anyways. Uh, we yeah. bought a foreclosure and, um, you know, we got really lucky on the market because we bought like the rock bottom like 2007 
Yeah. Um, and or was it 2009? I don't remember. 2009. Yeah, cause yeah 2008 yeah. was the bubble burst. Yeah, yeah. So 2000, we bought at the very rock bottom July in 2009 is when we ended up oh, like yeah. signing our paperwork. <laughs> so on a foreclosure. And, it was $20 and a shake of the head. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And a gentleman's agreement. Tip of the head to you. Um, so, yeah, like we had fortunately you know, are decent enough with money to actually like, you know, kept our credit good. And we had a little bit of savings and, uh, we were able to like buy the house. And, um, so, but within, like I said, though, that house in Clarkston within three weeks after seeing the other farmhouse that looked like, you know, we it was inviting yeah. us to move in. Uh, we had, you know, I had finished painting the kitchen cabinets i had finished doing a little bit of the trim work that needed to be done uh we rented a storage unit and moved like half of our stuff out to make the house seem a little better yeah, yeah. and then uh we put it on the market it sold to the first person to walk through it at, wow yeah like the first day at 10 a.m they like by by noon we had an offer for over asking price on her nice uh on and on the table so we ended up uh we ended up taking it nice so and that afforded us to put our equity into the new house the new house yeah, yeah it's uh you know i got five acres out in holly and uh i can kind of halfway see one neighbor so <laughs> did you didn't you guys am i remembering this wrong didn't you guys get in trouble for the chickens in, in clarkston did someone complain about it or something well they did complain about it but um i kind of made friends with the, the nosy neighbor that complained about Slipped everything 20 <laughs> well you know, i just did my best to like you know make sure that my grass was cut like you know yeah, yeah. nice and even on like her end and like i i raked my leaves like that fell like on my side like in a little bit on her side like over to my side so um and we actually still have so that was six or seven years ago so we still have a bard rock which is a particular type of chicken that is like the old lady of the bunch that like she is like the original um how old like, do chickens live to i would say that's about like uh, that's about Sorry. their life expectancy okay. I, I think like i don't I know mean, you like, could have said did, 50 years i've been like okay well I, I think you know, <laughs> I, know. I, I think anywhere from like six to ten years would probably be like standard i think 10 years is a pretty old chicken okay um so often though they get like picked off by hawks or they yeah. you know or they're used for food. <laughs> or they're used for food, which uh, which is something that we actively do too. Oh um, man! So yeah. So um, not only do we have layers, but I mean it's different. So like we have layers, and then we have um, you know I have meat chickens basically. Yeah. So we've done a, a experimented with a few different batches, um, you know, as far as variety goes. So we I think we ultimately like the Freedom Rangers, and we a couple times a year will raise a group of them for slaughter and fill the freezers. So, and we, we actually take care of that all on yeah, our own too. Getting to the farm crazy. life now. Yeah. yeah so yeah. how, uh, you moved to this five acres and now you have like a greenhouse you, you built this year. Uh, that's what you were working on before, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was and actually, then, it was an exist, it was an existing building that I literally turned like, into scalped off the, yeah. the whole roof. So. Um, how many chickens do you have now? Uh, well, right now we have probably like 18 layers. Um, it fluctuates like depend on like, uh, layers, what time of chickens year. that lay eggs. Yes. Okay. yes. We have like, 18, we have 18 layers. chickens <laughs> <laughs> that lay eggs. Um, uh, Ooh, question. Yes. Ongoing debate between people. I'm sure eggs refrigerated or room temperature. Uh, well, we keep ours at room temperature if they're on the farm. Um, so the, and I'll explain to you why you need to refrigerate them. Yes. I love this. Okay. So, <clears throat> A commercial, um, you know, egg 
uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> so commercial poultry farms, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, they actually have a process where they have to wash and sanitize the eggs because, I mean, let's face it, you've got like, you know, thousands of chickens like in a warehouse. It, the, I'm sure the conditions are like absolutely, absolutely grotesque, which is ultimately why you have to sanitize and wash the eggs. After you do that, you remove a protective enzyme on the outside of the oh. egg. Um and once that is washed off, then it has to be refrigerated. So Interesting. Um, that's why, like, so farm fresh eggs, um, you know, like they just sit on my countertop until I need them. Uh, they recommend that you, you rinse them with, uh, like, you know, warm water, uh, wipe them dry, and then and then use them. So How long but, can they stay on your countertop? A month, maybe two. Wow. Actually, like, I don't know the exact shelf life, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you, because so there's... Because I you use can, them. <laughs> well, it, I do. I eat, I eat a lot of eggs, actually. Yeah. So, um, and I love them. And, it's, you know, some people ask if I get tired of them. And there's so many different ways you can have you can an egg. You can do a lot of stuff like, with an why, egg. Why would I ever get tired of an egg, <laughs> especially when I know exactly what it's fed and where it comes from? Yeah. Um, it, they taste so much better, too. So... Um, but, do, so... Oh, sorry. Well, no, you're fine. I just... Uh, because we're about to get into the other part that I'm, I'm curious about, but you didn't grow up doing like hunting, did you? Did your dad hunt? Did you go with your dad hunting? No, I never went with my dad hunting, which okay. is odd that you asked this because uh, I just bought a crossbow like two weeks nice. ago. And That's a I man's am, hunting weapon in my <laughs> Right. And I am now uh, like, this is going to be my first year hunting. Um, I'm actually uh, like all geared up, ready to go. I got a hunting blind out back. I get plenty of deer that like, pass through my property you're gonna so. stay are you gonna hunt your property essentially yeah nice it's exactly <laughs> i'm i'm i've got more than enough room and i've got more than enough deer that totally destroy my garden so. do you have animals other than chickens now i do not so okay. um no but we're expanding next year i think there's going to be some goats and some maybe some like a couple like just fun pigs like running around my so my wife wants a couple pigs uh, okay. she wants some like pot belly pigs like you know running around getting all fat on the farm just to have pigs just to have pigs okay. um i want a miniature cow i think that that would be like they they actually like more of a traditional breed of like a dexter or something like that they do like small dexters and they do uh like highlanders and, and things like that that are actually like a smaller variety and uh, 800 pounds seems much more manageable than like, you know, like 1,500. So um, I think I might want to give that a shot, but we'll see. So walk me through, you guys have these chickens you're getting eggs from, and then one day you decide, we need to get chickens so we can like eat chicken. Well. <laughs> how does how does that happen? What's the transition? It, and then how do you actually like go about doing it? Like not like step-by-step -step process, but. Do you, like, pull up some YouTube videos? Like, how do I fucking kill a chicken? Well, that's exactly what I did first thing was I, I actually went to YouTube. YouTube is a great tool. Oh, yeah. Uh, I use it to fix plumbing and stuff all oh, the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, no. I utilize YouTube on a regular basis. Um, and that is the first thing that I did before we obviously got the meat birds or anything. I watched some YouTube videos on processing and cleaning and, make sure, and, and made sure that it was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple mutual friends that I, that I still currently have at this point um, that were looking at doing the same thing. Okay. And so we were all going to learn from each other. And then also we all invested in a chicken plucker, which is a, uh, we got it more of a commercial okay. size one. So like you can do it's a like, machine you know, that pulls the feathers off. It's the machine that pulls the feathers what? off. Yes. So like I can go, 
I can probably have a bird cleaned in like five minutes from Look start at you. to finish. Yeah. Well, I've done several hundred now at this How point. How long so. did your first one take? Uh, a lot longer. <laughs> you get be- you get better as uh, as you, you go. So, and then there's obviously like certain tricks to the trade that you know I know now that I didn't know before. So, um, so but that's why I said you know uh, chicken numbers vary at any point in time on the farm based on like what we're doing. So, yeah. Like at one point last year, I think we had like 65 chickens like that Jeez. we were taking care of. We had like 30 some layers, and then another group of. 30 i think we had 42 uh, you know meat birds yeah and I, I say you know i differentiate the two between layer and meat bird based on the ones we're going to slaughter and based on the ones that lay do you guys so. sell the meat or the eggs or the anything uh we actively do sell eggs okay. um and it's basically just keeps our family uh and a few people that are like in our proximity like with eggs like yeah. we don't really advertise that we sell yeah, a bunch yeah. of eggs yeah you don't have like an egg farm or no no we don't have an egg farm um it was talked Ruby about out it. Front, <laughs> like sell some eggs <laughs> right it was talked about at some point that like you know it was probably something that like we're comfortable doing and that we could probably expand yeah um but when we were doing when we had a bunch of production going we egg production last year when we had like 30 some layers it almost didn't seem cost effective enough for us to actually like you know drive and deliver some of these like yeah. where we were going um you know we were like you know constantly having like you know family or friends like well if you're out this way you know what can you like you know stop and you know drop off two dozen which like i have no problem doing but when it's you know constant all the time and you know i'm standing there staring at like 12 dozen eggs that like you know we're going to be delivering over the next couple days i mean it's really not that much money like so like in i yeah i was gonna say how much do you even charge for it well four four dollars a dozen yeah so how how often i have so many egg questions all of a sudden right (laughs) how like how many eggs do you get a day you have 18 layers right now you said how many so well they're molting right now so like they go through certain phases where they don't produce as many eggs Uh, but but pretty consistent uh, it takes, I think it's 25 hours of sunlight to produce one egg. What a so, weird formula. <laughs> yes, I know. So, uh, so what happens is in the summertime, uh, they lay a lot more, Yeah. right? Okay. The wintertime, they really, they slow down. So it takes like, you know, three days for them to lay one egg versus like, it's like five a week, like in the summertime, basically. Huh. So, um, some, and when a, a chicken is younger, like a lot of times they'll produce like every day. Um, a spring chicken? If uh, you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So spring, yeah, healthy like a spring chicken. Nice. A chicken will only have so many eggs like that it'll lay within its life. Probably, you know, similar to like, you know, female anatomy. Yeah. Like they just, they're destined to only have so many. Um, so uh, <laughs> s- some of the varieties of chickens are, um, they quit laying earlier than others, but they're more voracious and they, they lay a lot more. So like, uh, you know, Isa Browns that are a hybrid that produce these like really large brown eggs, which are most likely the ones that you get at the store from Kroger. They lay like, you know, 300 eggs in a year and they're only going to lay for a couple years though. And then they're done. Huh. So, but the more natural breeds will actually last a lot longer and lay fewer eggs. So, so that's, yeah. So are you, I mean, you're obviously still working. Um, you said you work six days a week. I do. Yeah. I work six days a week at General Motors. Um, we're currently on strike. Yeah. So I have How not How long has been, it been? It's been, it's the start of the third week. So wow. it's been 20 days, actually. It Actually, it's the end of the third week. <laughs> it's That's, been 20 days. 
Um, yeah, I don't know where time's going. And I would like to think that I'm actually, I'm spending a decent amount of time like picketing, but I'm trying to balance that with uh, family time and uh, time to get stuff caught up around the farm. Yeah. I imagine that's, it's a weird thing because you want to be out there supporting. Right. And then, but you also are like, but I have this free time. I really want to <laughs> right, take exactly. advantage of. And so, and I, maybe I'm considering myself a little more fortunate than others. Like I could see the writing on the wall for this. Months ago, I thought okay. the uh, the economy uh, and the present situation, it was like perfect for, it was the perfect storm for a strike. Um, you know, GM has posted, you know, huge profits over the last, what, even three years, it's been $33 yeah. billion dollars in, in you know, net profit. Um, and um, I just, I knew they were going to, they always try to kind of shortchange in their, their contracts and yeah. they hadn't extended the... Uh, UAW Airmark contract, which is uh, the company that does our um, sanitation. Okay. So I could oh, already, yeah. if, I well, that. they didn't grant them an extension. Like, yeah. you know, let's see what happens here, you know, because the, the contract they offered I, was total garbage right off the bat. They, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We could. How long have you been in the union? You know what? Okay, so I'll I'll preface this by saying uh, my grandpa was a, uh, a in the lineman union for the Detroit Edison. Okay. Uh, for forty two years, my wow. dad was a metal model maker, and he was in the UAW uh, skilled trades union for thirty three years. And I so have in some ways you've been in the union your entire exactly. life. Exactly, <laughs> and so and I have been in the union for um, eight years now at this point. Wow. And uh, my brother actually now that he's a uh, he's a you know, certified welder. He is also in a union, so oh. it seems like everybody's kind got of a union family. Yes, yes, we have a union uh, family, union and legacy. that's only actually like ten percent of America now is uh, represented by unions. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, our parents and grandparents' generation that was huge. My grandpa like famously got offered a job by Jimmy Hoffa at one point and was like, "I'm good, right, <laughs> no, right." But so that's. Uh, I mean, is there any end in sight? Do you have any personal feelings on that other than the fact that like? obviously your well-being <laughs> right um so i think it's probably going to be ending pretty soon but uh, you never really know i mean i didn't think it was actually going to last three weeks i thought it was only going to last like a couple yeah. it, the negotiation table is, is kind of tough and uh they're not really wanting to give in and we're not really wanting to give in and like i said i you know uh, with the economy uh, being the way it was, where it's been you know pretty strong recently, you know GM posting thirty three billion dollars in profits over the past three years, and then uh, seemingly the disdain of the uh, you know normal Americans being sick and fed up of like maybe uh, you know corporate greed and the yeah. upper one percent you know yeah. <laughs> uh, CEOs getting you know paid eight hundred times what their you know workers are being paid. Yeah. I mean. Just doesn't make any sense. So I, I kind of, I kind of knew this was was happening. So um, I was able to stash some money away. Like I said, at, at you know, even during a, our recession, we had good enough credit to, yeah, you know, to buy the house or whatever. Like we've been pretty money conscientious. Uh, like I don't even have a car payment. Actually, everything that I own is like old <laughs> that I have to do maintenance on. But, but you at know, least I mean, it's paid knowing, off. Yeah, so. and knowing how to do that is like. Super valuable. <laughs> right, yeah. And I generally do all my – well, I mean, it comes with the territory. So, like, yeah. you know, I'm trying to, you know, to do an old, uh, my own homestead. So, yeah. you know, I'm constantly, like, you know, fixing tractors or, yeah. you know, ripping apart my skid steer for something or, uh, you know, just maintenance on vehicles. Actually, uh, pretty shortly I'm going to have to do the, the rear pinion uh, bearing in my uh, – the, the jeep that i got so there you go i'll be tearing that apart here <laughs> shortly so i've never done one but once again youtube very valuable source yes do you you guys don't get back pay though right no no, no. Okay. um so strike pay is um 20 
Um, sorry. Twenty dollars a week. Twenty dollars a day. Uh, no, it's uh two hundred and fifty dollars a week. Okay. So yeah, when the when the media first reported it, it was uh, at two hundred and fifty dollars a day, which I was like, man, I would strike all the time for that. Yeah, exactly. So that's way more than I make on a normal day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, strike pays more than our normal pay, so we're just uh, sorry, we're not going to work anymore. Right. Such a strange thing, and I, that sucks. You guys don't get the obviously back pay. And no, no, we won't get any pay. Back isn't going to pay everybody's mortgages and no, no, definitely not. What's um, the? I mean, I don't want to spend like a bunch of time on this, obviously, but uh, I mean, do you know historically? Because as someone that's not directly involved in the auto industry, I don't, I don't know how commonplace this is. Like you hear about strikes occasionally, but like uh, how long? Obviously, there's the big ones like up in Flint from. Uh, the sit-down strikers yeah. or whatever, yeah. Um, so the last national strike only lasted three days, and it was in, uh, I think it was 2009. Okay. Um, so this is pretty significant. So yeah, yeah. Three this weeks. is so the last time the um, like any automaker or remember any time the UAW has been out um, on a general strike like this or you know a mass strike. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't really lasted that long. So generally if there is a strike it'll be like a targeted plant so they're going to be like oh we're going to shut down yeah. you know this uh, metal fab center and we're going to shut down this assembly plant you know and they're not going to actually like do a large broad scale general strike. Yeah. Um and this time they decided it was the best bet for negotiation tactics. So, like, really, the the first offer that General Motors gave us was uh, an increase in our health care costs by 15% and then a 2% pay increase uh, over the course of four years. So it was like... What? Yeah, yeah. So, like, and they recorded profits of, like I said, you know, I've, this is the third time I've said it now, $33 billion over the last three years. You're trying to tell me that you're basically going to cut our pay... And you're like reaping all those benefits and, yeah. and billions and billions and you can't do anything for us at all. Not to mention, you know, they had given up so much during bankruptcy in 2009. Yeah. Um, so they gave up pension on any new employee. Um, they gave up, you know, they took a like a like a wage decrease and they, they did all sorts of stuff uh, to make sure that the company was viable moving forward. And it's been that long and we still haven't gotten everything back that we gave up before and i mean it's kind of one of those corporate greed things well it's like well you give it up once you're never going to get it back so but i mean still you can't just go ahead and just cut our pay yeah. after all the profits that you're making yeah and inflation and everything i mean come on seriously yeah so I think there should be a salary cap personally <laughs> right yeah i don't know i it's it just it's seemed a little crazy and weird to me so that's why we walked out yeah so um, hopefully it gets resolved soon. I know there's some families out there hurting. Yeah. Um, hopefully you can spend some of this time doing some stuff around the house. Right, right. Well, and that's what I've been doing. Like sell we some more eggs. <laughs> sell some more eggs. Actually, my wife is selling a bunch of jam right now. I think I made. saw that on Facebook. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For sure. Actually, she I think had to take it down because she too many sold, people. <laughs> yeah, too many people wanted to buy it, so she sold way more than she thought she was going to. I think. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that cut into our jam supply for the year because we actually make enough jam to last us for a whole year. Oh, nice. So I big jam family. Yeah, well, you know what? We we harvest a bunch of uh, berries and stuff out front, yeah. um, and then I've got uh, you know peach trees and stuff like that in the back. So, nice. um, you know, a lot of it we end up just making, you know, we make with stuff like off the property. So that's that's awesome. 
So, uh, is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? No, not really. Okay. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, maybe I, I guess I should like explain the farm a little more. Like it, it is a, so it is a homestead, but it's also, we're trying to move forward and, um, we're trying to move forward and, and develop it into a, a tea and herb farm. Okay. So, uh, my wife, you know, Jennifer, she's been studying under this, uh, like world renowned herbalist, uh, who just oddly enough happens to be like local to white Lake. But uh, yeah, his name is uh, Jim so McDonald. I mean, there's like literally people that travel from all over the world to uh, do walks and stuff with him. Okay. So she became a couple years ago, she was taking his class and then um, through that process, um, you know, and we're relatively close to him. Um, uh, they got a little closer and then now she's actually, she is his apprentice. Oh, nice. So, uh, and that was always the thought that when we were when we're starting the farm anyways, like, you know, she's studied medicine for quite a while. Uh, she's a, you know, she's a licensed practicing nurse. Um, she was in pharmacy for a long time before that. And she's always been kind of a good witch. <laughs> so, uh, like, so even more so now she's, um, you know, foraging and we're growing stuff and we're, you know, she's making like medicinal medicines and okay. things like that. So cool. that's more the direction that the farm's moving. Like, so we do have our own like homestead where I was just telling you, like we make jam for, you know, a year you yeah, know, yeah. with all the raspberries and blackberries and peaches and apples and everything that are, that are hanging out on the property. But, um, we also are trying to move more to a, uh, like a business model to where maybe one day we can actually make some money off the property. Is that kind of what you want to do with the greenhouse? Uh, yeah. So the greenhouse was an expansion of that. So, um, I mean, we do have our own like, you know, vegetable garden too, yeah, that yeah. We, uh, you know, can stuff and, um, eat stuff out of the vegetable garden, which, uh, is an also another reason why I want to hunt a little bit to control the deer population because my electric fence went down, which controls Ooh. the vegetable garden <laughs> this year. We had a couple extended power outages and the deer totally ravaged my garden. So it's, I'm going to have to get taller Time fences. And, yeah, yeah. Ta taller <laughs> fences or I'm going to have to have a battery backup on my uh, uh, my uh, electric fence. Jeez. But, um, yeah, so, you know, she's been working really hard with, uh, you know, trying to get uh, networking and, you know, the herbalist community. And um, she's been studying extensively. I mean, she's always you know, reading books and, you know, trying different concoctions. I'm kind of her guinea pig to at a certain point for like, uh, she's been doing like, uh, muscle rubs and, okay. uh, you know, infused muscle rubs and things like that. Or, um, you know, I recently had this bout of anxiety that I was uh, dealing with, uh, like over the last like 18 months or so, yeah. like, for some reason work was really stressful and I had a lot of stuff going on and I was having like all these panic attacks. So, um, you know, she was making me basically like a, like a mixture of, oh God, what is it? It was like New England, New England Aster and hops and some other stuff like into oh. tonics and tinctures, you know, to where, yeah. you know, even the That's act cool. of like taking a tincture is relaxing to where, uh, you know, you, you take like a little like uh, vial and like, you know, just kind of drop it on your tongue. Like and, a little eyedropper thing? Yeah, 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 for sure. And even like, you know, some of them you want to hold in your mouth. Uh, I mean... It just depends on yeah. what it is you're taking. That's but really she's cool. been doing assessments and stuff like that, like, uh, you know, trying to move a, a business forward, uh, you know. So hopefully at, at some point we'll have a sustainable, um, you know, homestead model slash maybe make a little bit of money off of, uh, you know, some medicinal crops that we're growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also would, I think hemp might save the, the world at some point. 
It's a useful um, plant. It's a, it's a very useful plant, and I've been pushing for hemp as a textile for a long time. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to convince convince her like we need to uh, apply for uh, a grant and um, the license while they're issuing them because Michigan uh, six months ago just um, I guess legalized the the growth of um, hemp for CBD and textile. Okay. And um, but they only issue so many permits so or licenses. So, like, you have to, like, get them while they're available. Yeah. They're a little on the expensive side, but um, I want to try to experiment a little bit with that because I think uh, um, I think that could probably prove to be very useful in the future with, uh, you know, paper products and textiles. That's and, I was wondering, hemp as a textile, like, what, uh, I mean, what venue? Give me, give me an example of that. Uh, so... I mean, you can use it to make toilet paper. You can use it to make paper. Okay. You can use yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, you can use it. There's a, a like literally a thousand different things you can use it for. At this point, the most interesting thing that recently that I saw for it was actually uh, building blocks. So instead of cinder blocks, they're hemp blocks. Oh, okay. Um, so hemp is very, very fibrous. Yeah. And um, it is incredibly strong. So, um, and it's completely basically like renewable i mean it grows like a wild weed too so you you plant a whole bunch of it you know it grows you know six eight feet tall you chop yeah. it down and then you send it through a processor <laughs> and then you just plant more so it, it's way more sustainable than um a lot of the uh paper products that we actually harvest right now where we're you know tearing down huge forests in canada for for pulp for for paper still yeah. i mean it's you know it's just absolutely ridiculous so yeah wow well that's yeah that's really cool what you guys are doing and planning on doing. That's yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a long process. I mean, you know. Well, I like you keep picking and... up these uh, these kind of like hobbies that that are also very useful and and self sustaining. I'm coming to your house when the zombie apocalypse <laughs> happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, we're in the process of uh, putting in a hand pump well. Nice. See, I'm so, for sure because, coming to your house. <laughs> see, so we and not that we're like preppers or anything, yeah. but we just want to be like as uh, self sustainable as possible. To well, yeah. A certain I mean, point. why not? So, yeah, exactly. You have and the desire to do it. You have so, the ability. Right. So there's already, like, if you live in the country or whatever, there's already a well at your house. Yeah. So, like, I found a company that actually makes just an adapting kit. You just literally screw on the, the top of your well head that's already plumbed in. Yeah. And it's just a hand pump. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, awesome. in, that way I don't have to rely on, uh, you know, a gas generator for, you know, a bunch of silly electricity that yeah. I, I don't really ever want to use anyway. I got to get so. out there before it snows and then eat all your food. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You have, it, that's, I wish I had any desire or knowledge or space to do <laughs> half of that stuff. We keep talking about doing a garden. Um, Oh yeah, no, you could Just do it. Like I mean, little... when we were in Clarkston, we had uh, you know, we had squash plants in our like uh, like the flower beds and stuff like yeah. around the house. Everyone and... always does squash or zucchini or eggplants, which are like the three I don't like. <laughs> well, they they just they can look kind of appealing. You know, the yellow yeah, yeah. flowers are really nice. So, but uh, we Give also me some had a- some carrots and some cukes and some lettuce, and I'll just have myself a little well, white trash lettuce, salad. All the time. Lettuce actually works really well in a uh, in a little flower bed because I mean. The more sunlight the lettuce gets, a lot of times, like the more bitter it gets. Okay. So, like, it's really easy, like, you know, uh, like you know, the start a you know early, late spring, early summer to just throw some like salad greens in, you know, and then you can just like rotate it, you know, you just succession planning. So, like, you know, 
Uh, it could be, you know, like spinach only takes like 90 days to mature. So, you know, you start it when it like, you know, first thaws. Yeah. And then by the time, you know, late May, early June rolls around, you got yourself like a ton of spinach and then you plant something else there that you'll be able to harvest huh. uh, late in the season, like squash. So. I like it. <laughs> Now you got to make pumpkins. I can come over and get my jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we actually, we were going to grow a bunch of pumpkins this year. And we have actually years past. I mean, there was, what, two years ago, we had like 40 or 50 pumpkins. And some of them were like, you know, like 30, 40 pounds. So, but uh, this year we did not plant any pumpkins. We, like I said, lost all of the garden basically the to deer. the deer. And we got totally discouraged. And why he like, bought the crossbow, uh, okay. you're like, all right. Well, you know, I, I had wanted to hunt anyways just because um, it, it seems to me like if I'm, you know, I'm already in control of all of my, like, you know, chicken, basically. Yeah. Like, so I have a freezer full of chicken. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, the more control that I can take over where I get my food and how I get my food, yeah. the better off I kind of feel. So um, I, I feel a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, confident and, you know. Here's the big question, yeah, and on note of your confidence, are you going to process the deer yourself? Uh, you know what? I, I haven't decided yet, so I have helped. So that's a big job, right? Yes, yes, it's a big job. So I have helped, uh, and there's people that actually, like, you know, do this stuff for yeah, living, yeah. obviously. So it's like, you know, you want to spend 80 or 100 bucks and, you know, like 15% of the, the weight of your deer to the butcher, or do you want to do it yourself? Um, I do have somebody that... Um, finds it therapeutic and they actually like doing it um I, so and they i also kill people <laughs> <laughs> right, right so um and i'm kind of interested in learning so yeah. i'm really good at processing a chicken you know or butchering a chicken yeah. so a deer I've, I've helped out a couple times but i'm not that good but um it's all about learning where the uh the core muscle groups break up um you gotta learn a little anatomy let, yeah, yeah anatomy is going to be a big part of it and obviously a really fucking sharp knife so well, good luck. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> that's, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. In some ways, I feel like that's like the American dream. Like, all right. You just listened to my conversation with Rob. Um, it's crazy. You know, there's this, this opiate epidemic going on right now. And a lot of people don't think like, oh, this is nobody close to me. This doesn't touch anybody I know. Uh, and then, you hear stories like this where so many people in a single person's life ha have either lost their lives literally or figuratively, you know, to, to drug use and that drug specifically. And it's just crazy. It's, it's crazy to think about and it's crazy how close it is. Um, and it's, I mean, this is all going on in the area I live in where you, it's easy to be naive to it. So something to keep in mind. Uh, and I also think there's a, there's a level of irony and you guys will find this out in a few weeks, but while I was editing this episode where he talks about like processing chickens, uh, that same weekend I was interviewing someone that worked at PETA for 10 years. So it was just a funny little, funny little moment for me. <laughs> but, uh, if you guys want to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you can do that at friend request pod. You can follow us on Twitter, friend request JL, and I hope you do that too. Please go on to iTunes or Apple or Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave us a review. Those little stars mean a bunch to me and our listeners and helps people find us. So thank you so much. Uh, please keep reaching out. I love, 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 love getting messages from you guys. Uh, when you tell me that this podcast has spoken to you in some way that 
means everything to me. So thank you so much and reach out to the guests. Uh, I know that's happened a lot and I'm sure they love that as well. There's a bunch of stuff coming out from people we've had on in the past. Uh, Sarah from episode six just started doing yoga, um, like lessons, which is awesome. I'm actually signed up because I'm terribly embarrassed to go into a yoga studio by myself because I'm 6'3 and 250 pounds and a frumpy man. Um, <laughs> you should see me in yoga pants. Uh, and then Stacy's got something coming out for the holidays that I will be talking about on here once it is available. So get excited for that. And once again, if you guys want to talk about anything else or there's a topic you want covered, or if you have a story you want to share, I'm very, very, very happy to sit down with you and hear about it. You can message me on any of those platforms I mentioned earlier, um, or just write a review on iTunes and I will read it on here. There's a funny one on Jeff that I would read, but English is not the first language and it's hard to read sometimes. Uh, that's it. That's this week. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening, guys.